Hi, this is Rachel. Hi, this is John. Welcome to our podcast. Before we delve into this podcast and the actual meat of it, uh, we want to let you know why exactly we decided to start this podcast specifically. Um, so for myself, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts, and I found myself really leaning towards shows that are hosted by women of color, and especially Asian American women, because I feel like I can relate to them on a certain level in different areas and topics. So that really inspired me and inspired me to want to start my own podcast and a way of processing a lot of the things that I've been thinking about. Um, so what I've been doing um, is stalking Rachel's blog. <laughs> so Rachel has this blog where she writes and processes a lot of her emotion on there. <laughs> but for myself, I really can't seem to keep up with blogging or writing consistently. Um, so I thought the podcast would be a better idea for me to process all these things that are going on in my head. And Rachel would be a perfect co-host for this particular podcast. And so that's how I got Rachel to join me. We decided to team up with... Um, when we think about what are our similarities as people, we decided that we overthink a lot of things. And when we overthink, we within. Because we overthink, therefore, there are many words within our heads. So we want to let them out through some kind of outlet or the other. And it's going to be through this podcast. None. What's the acronym? Oh, thank you um, for reminding me. <laughs> So because we overthink words within, a.k.a. be wow. Um, so if you hear us ever referring to be wow, that's we're just referring to a shortened version of this podcast name. Exactly. Okay, so I guess I'll talk a bit more about the general format we want this podcast to have. And so we will always start off with a little check-in segment. So for those of you who don't know like Nan and I are not physically in the same city <laughs> she's in Providence I'm in St. Paul and we're also not like in the same life stages I guess you can say so like checking in as to like just what our lives are and then we want to start this segment we probably should eventually name it where we write letters so whether that's like letters to ourselves letters to other people, letters to a certain stage in life, whatever, like Laura Jean and her character, or reflection and kind of uh, asking each other questions about our letters to learn a little bit more about each other and about um, our thoughts, I guess. And then kind of to end, we want to introduce a Q&A segment. So that could be questions we come up with ourselves <laughs> to answer ourselves or when we have some kind of an audience they can submit questions to us so we actually started an instagram account it's the handle names at because we overthink and we also have a gmail account because we overthink at gmail.com so feel free to contact us um, hint hint to our probably two to three listeners <laughs> Um, and then, you know, we'll just have closing thoughts and that's going to be that. So one of the things that we want to emphasize is that this podcast is actually created 
um, for our friends and family so that you can hear a lot of our thought processes. Because I was talking to Rachel about this just now, actually, about how it's really hard to discuss some of these topics just like face to face. And of course, conversations face to face are always encouraged, but sometimes it's really nice to just listen to someone talking and processing. Um, so we want to we want this to be an outlet where our friends and family can also listen to our inner thoughts because we're both people who are not necessarily very expressive. Um, yeah, <laughs> so this will probably be the most personal you can get with us um, from far away. Uh, so and also we're working through a lot of kinks and stuff like that for our first episode. Um, so please excuse any of that as well. Bear with us. Bear with us. Yes, bear with us, please. Um, but some of the general topics um, that you can look forward to for us discussing is kind of transitions. Um, Rachel is in her fourth year. Of undergrad. Of undergrad, right. Um, and I am in my transitional year of coming off of a master's program into the workforce and um things like rejection season so talking about those rejections letters that you might be getting in any phases of your life um high school undergrad even as an adult um plenty of rejections and being asian american women um topics such as friendship reflecting on all that kinds of things um i think it's i think this podcast is as much as it's for our friends and family as it's for us. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to really just think about a lot of, to process a lot of things out loud. Right. Yeah. So with that, we will head straight into our topic for today. Okay, so let's kind of start with check-in. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit about what's been on our minds for these few days and whatnot. I don't know. Do you want to start, Nan? Um, so it's a Friday night, and <laughs> I am feeling like it's been a week, but it's also not been like the worst week that I have had in the past couple of months. Um, so I'm just relaxing, and I really like that we are able to talk about all of these things and process a lot of things today. Um, so I'm pretty, I'm in, like, a good mood. I would say, like, I don't know, I had a weird encounter with um, some people at a school today, like the front office. So that kind of ruined my, that kind of ruined my mood a little bit, like, throughout this day. I've been thinking about it all day. But I think it's good that we're at this place right now where I don't have to think about that. I know exactly what you mean about those encounters that just makes you think about it the rest of the day. For me, so last weekend was the weekend that I took the GRE. And so this week was kind of just like getting back into the swing of things. And a lot of, I feel like a lot of things went through my head this this week specifically. I'm not going to go into all of them, but... One thing that I'm really glad about is that I finally have more free time to actually do substantial work on my thesis, like my honors thesis project as a, an undergrad senior. 
and I cranked out five pages so far and I'm like yes I'm doing something oh that's so <laughs> here's accomplishment <laughs> should we kind of seg segue into our topic for this first episode yeah I think this will be a really great kind of first episode to establish who we are um so our topic for today is about our identity and specifically our identity as 1.5 generation immigrants um so for how we identify 1.5 generation immigrant um is that you were born in a different country and then you immigrate to the united states or wherever you are at a young age and i guess the majority of your life has been in that host country instead of your home country therefore you still have some kind of memories of the, your home country but then there's also the majority of your life has been in the host country therefore you are in between the one the first generation and the second generation exactly so you're 1.5 <laughs> and we're between generations right i don't think this is a term that people talk about a lot either yeah they a lot of people i feel like don't really know the term right so so unless like you know people who are 1.5 people i guess like people don't generally interact with that right terminology right and i feel like for myself i didn't even know that it was a terminology until i got to college so i didn't even know to identify myself as a 1.5 i don't know about you maybe you were just yeah no <laughs> now i'm like kind of thinking about it right now and i think you're right i don't think i knew i was like i knew there was a phrase for it being 1.5 until i got to college no i think i'm exactly the same um as rachel introduced before is we wrote some letters to ourselves by some letter i mean i wrote one rachel wrote one <laughs> so that makes it two so that makes it some make it two some letters right um and we'll explain a little bit about the time period that we wrote this letter to kind of like the age that we were at um but it's just a letter to ourselves that were writ that were written um like at this age i guess rachel can start and then so we'll both read our letters um at the same time so rachel will finish and i'll read and then we'll engage in the dialogue or discussion um, and then any other questions that we have for each other since this is our first episode. So to just, I guess, give some context, um, I think, so I'm writing to my 11-year-old self, and I think that was a time where I was very much maybe, I wouldn't say insecure, but still kind of uncomfortable in my 1.5, like, immigrant identity so if so like non has not heard this letter so if you have any questions clarification questions let me know at the end <laughs> okay cool dear 11 year old rachel changing to a new school again must make you feel a bit uncertain about yourself again middle school is tough and starting at shamrock middle in seventh grade instead of six must be weird i get it Fitting in is practically the foundation of adolescence. The popular kids with their Abercrombie and Hollister clothes, it's tempting to think that fitting in will make your life easier. But I also know that there's a tiny voice inside of your head that knows that fitting in and being part of the popular crowd will not be satisfying. As long as you have one or two good friends, you're set. I'd say listen to the tiny voice. It's right. 
you'll be so much more happy with yourself when you're being true to yourself. And also, be proud of the duality of your identity. You're American and Chinese. Don't feel that you should settle for one over the other. In a few months, you'll meet another student who's, who just moved from Korea, and you'll see the confidence and pride that she carries with her heritage. And you know what? You can be that too. Just because you speak Cantonese and learn about Chinese tradition doesn't mean that you're any lesser. Go befriend her for reasons other than making the new kid feel less lonely. You have a thing or two to learn from her besides your introduction to K-pop. Yes, that happened. Um, mom was never pushy with you about learning Cantonese or Hong Kong culture and history, but that doesn't mean that you should ignore it either. Yes, I know you don't intentionally hide your cultural heritage, but I think you shouldn't be so passive about it either. You might think this is ridiculous, but 10 years from now, you actually study the politics of East Asia and international affairs. <laughs> As a Hong Kong or American, you should stay informed about the news in Hong Kong and in the US, especially since your extended family is still there. And of course, have faith in yourself. I'm going to take a line straight out of my mom's mouth, but I'm just gently reminding you that you should do these things because you're capable of doing them. There will be many times when people will doubt your abilities. Do not doubt your own abilities. You are able to do things just as well as anyone else. It's not because you're an immigrant from a low-income background or a timid. You'll be knowledgeable about Hong Kong's history and culture, and you'll be questioned about your expertise. Shut them down. You know your stuff, and don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. Just give yourself a little push here and there, and you'll do just fine. Lots of love and support, 21-year-old Rachel. Aw, that was cute. I'll just read my letter um, for myself. So my letter for myself is to the eight-year-old me who I, um, back, I immigrated to the United States when I was eight years old. And a lot of this letter, as I read through it, has been more of different segments of how I, I've experienced um, immigrating to the United States. So it might not make sense and it might be very choppy, um, but, you know, that's what the discussion is for later. So, <laughs> all right. Dear eight-year-old Nan, the feeling of losing your custom bracelet with your siblings' names engraved at the airport as you're about to leave Vietnam lingers even 15 years later. However, I want you to know that that loss doesn't mean you won't see them again, but rather just later. You had in your head a grand idea of what your home would be in the U.S. and was quite disappointed when you found out that you're just living on the second floor of a rented house. You really wanted to go back to Vietnam then, huh? Think about it, though. You were the only one in you were the only person with your own room. There were fond memories of that house in St. Paul, right? But it also evoked a lot of pain, to the point where whenever the image of it pops up in your head, you will find yourself tearing up. That rooftop was where you first learned the hard lesson about life as an immigrant in the U.S. when you watched your older brothers waiting for the bus in the cold. I hope maybe this winter break, you could drive by it again with your parents and brothers to reminisce a memory that you've unconsciously erased. When your brother announced that you would be moving, you were ecstatic because you thought, wow, we'll finally have something of our own. You thought that maybe this time, this house will really reflect the image you had in your head of what 
a house in the U.S. would look like. You find yourself once again disappointed that it was just a trailer home park in the park of a trailer home. But at least now your family have some space to yourself. You don't have to tiptoe down to the shared kitchen, nor feel like you couldn't hang out anywhere in the house besides your room. Plus, your school is literally only one block away. Besides the fact that you didn't want anyone at school to know where you live, that trailer home gave you some good memories, too. I know you'll keep thinking every time you drive by that trailer park, how long would you have stayed there if we weren't forced to evacuate? Who would have thought that you would be able to write a whole letter to yourself at 23 in English, even getting it to sound a little bit poetic? But probably not poetic now <laughs> that you're reading it out loud. When you spent four years in ESL classes at school, I can't tell you exactly how you felt being Asians at school. You just know that you felt different because during every language arts class, you will pull out to a special ESL class. So you try to read as much as you can to adopt the lingo, just so that you could prove you were ready to learn alongside your other classmates. You were always operating in between. You spoke Vietnamese at home and English at school. I feel like you maintain your Asian-ness pretty well, but you passed and so-called assimilated into the school culture too. So you were able to do both. To your family, you achieved what they weren't able to do. Your non-existent accent is a marker that separates you from their world. You were so proud that you didn't acquire a strong accent and were able to blend in with the rest of the kids at your school. I sometimes wonder what it would have been like if you were taught to be proud and to treasure the duality you possess at that young age. I sometimes wonder what it would be like if you didn't have to choose one or the other. Socially, I can't remember exactly if you had a choice of who you were going to be friends with. It was good for your parents to see the amount of white friends you had then, because eventually, your group becomes mainly people of color. I think it's no mistake that the older you got, the more you gravitated toward friends who came from a similar background as you. Some of them are actually 1.5 generation immigrants themselves. You should know that even at 23, you're still struggling to describe your experience as someone who's living somewhere in between. Although rest assured, you've been able to process them academically and even come to politicize yourself somewhat as an Asian American. It's only the beginning of a lifelong reflection. With love, 23 years old, non. Wow. <laughs> I was like, 1.5 generation friends. That's me. Yeah, that's you. I actually have a lot of 1.5 generation friends um, from high school. So I have um, a friend who came from Thailand, several friends from Vietnam. Um, so we all kind of, oh, and a friend from like Sri Lanka and Somali. So. Somalia. So it's been like a, a good mix. I feel like the more I'm older, the more I gravitate towards people who share these similar backgrounds. Not all the time, but like. I, I definitely agree with that, though. Definitely agree with that. Okay, so do you want to ask me questions about my letter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so I do have some questions. Um, in terms of that, I, I was reading on your blog um, where you were talking about Asian Americans kind of like answering this major question, and you, your friend in your letter. <clears throat> um, are you guys, you guys are still friends now, right? The letter that I just read, right? Yeah. Is that the same friend that you mentioned in your blog post? 
No, I believe it's a different one than the one you're referring to. Um, <laughs> she has been in my blog before, but I think under different circumstances. So um, this girl, she only moved to the U.S. for two years because her parents were got jobs at Emory. Um, I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> and so she became like my best friend seventh and eighth grade and it was through that that I learned how like proud she was of her Korean heritage and things like that and it like after middle school so after eighth grade her family moved back to Korea and I moved to a different neighborhood in Atlanta went to a different high school so we actually didn't keep in touch too much but when I studied abroad in Seoul exactly a year ago we met up basically like what seven eight years later and so that was really cool to just like meet up have lunch and like kind of caught up as if we were talking the entire time oh that's so cool I always like those kind of friendships too um I guess like what is something um maybe an experience or a feeling that you feel is significant to a 1.5 generation immigrant so like in other words like how might our experience or maybe even your experience be different than the first or second generation i i don't know if i can pinpoint anything specifically in particular but i do feel like i uh how what's the best way of saying this (laughs) Um, in terms of lifestyle, I feel like I'm very nitpicky, and I feel like that's a very, like, immigrant mindset. Um, so, like, my mom's really very particular with how things, how she wants things to be done, and while I'm not as particular as her, I see parts of that coming out in my behavior, and how it's just like... Things just need to go exactly where they belong, like right there. And yeah, so like that's kind of me. And I've realized, I've only realized that like I'm not as flexible as I thought. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yikes, bashing myself. Um, But I think also like um, I feel like having that 1.5 identity, we we're kind of stuck in this forever childhood, I'd say, like with our home. So speaking Cantonese and like being born in Hong Kong and growing up there for eight years, um, I feel like every time I go back to Hong Kong, it's like I'm a child again in the sense that like my Cantonese vocabulary has definitely grew bigger But, like, I don't think I'm as articulate as someone who stayed in Hong Kong and is a 21-year-old right now in Hong Kong. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like those are some of the things that maybe distinguishes me as a (laughs) 1.5. I mean, I totally get it because when I was writing my letter, I... I was going to include a part where kind of, like, most of my memories has been like the most vivid memory I think started when I immigrated to the United States 
but I still remember like some vague memory of you know living in Vietnam and kind of being raised there by my siblings and going to school there so like that part of my childhood is like that part that eight years was in Vietnam so I feel like that that significantly significantly changed like how I navigate the world here now at 23 I still think a lot about how that experience in Vietnam has shaped me and how that has been different than like my experience as an eight-year-old beyond in the United States so I think about like that duality a lot of like being able to experience both worlds hence now though I feel like I think a lot more about my life here because I've been here for 15 years versus eight years yeah so now like my life has been mostly here um so then that's why I feel like the 1.5 is now just like 1.75 and eventually I don't know if I move up like even more or something like that um but I think like that aspect of being able to live and experience something and like still remember exactly those memories at home is pretty significant to like 1.5 generation I yeah I feel that a lot and I I'm slowly realized that like there there are just some experiences that it's really difficult to articulate to friends who are not 1.5. I don't know if you have the same feelings in terms of like um, maybe trying to hold our cultures a bit tighter because we're afraid of losing that duality and also like trying to maintain it. I don't know. I think that's that's something I've recently noticed that I've started doing. So I think I can see that too. I think I was talking to a friend um, who was talking about like religion and they were talking, they were saying that like they don't practice, you know, Buddhism, but like their parents do. And they were talking about how um, like they don't know if they're going to continue that custom afterwards. And so for me, it was more like, well, I obviously will continue that custom. Like I, I don't even think about not continuing that custom because I've seen my family do it so many times. But that I feel like that doesn't mean that they don't care about that custom necessarily. Um, I just don't know exactly like, you know, how to articulate that either. Right. My friend that like, oh like I just wanna hold on to something. I don't I don't know if your family does this, if I wanna ask this. Um, because my family does not want to have anything to do with Vietnam, like at all, once they've moved all the way over here. What do you mean by like not having anything to do? For myself, I always want to like go back to Vietnam. I want to work there. I want to do things for the people there or like just work, whatever, right? But then my family is just like, why are you even thinking about Vietnam? Like, you're American. I, I okay, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I, my, my family does the whole, um, why, 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 why do you want to go back there? Because we immigrated here. Like, like, we immigrated here. Also, like, partially, you know, the whole guilt tripping thing. We immigrated here for, for us, for you, for a better future. And why do you want to go back and, like, Okay, I think this was like back when I con- contemplated going back was like, why do you want to go back and like work or study there or something? And yeah, it's it's something that's also prevalent in my 
I feel like in my family, it's it's a lot of we we sacrifice so much to be here. So like, I guess in that sense, maybe it's a matter of why why are you ignoring that sacrifice or not acknowledging it? Maybe seeing like if you and I were to permanently return back, it's kind of seeing it as a step backwards. And not not as like a personal choice. Yeah, definitely. I feel that a lot of times, and I feel like seeing my nieces and nephew grow up as like a second generation, like those who were born here. Even like the two who came here when they were three years old, it feels like there has been no sense of like nostalgic connection. Yeah, back to this place. But I like even I don't know myself why I have so much like <laughs> nostalgic connection to this place that I actually don't even remember a lot of things anymore once I because I came back I went back to Vietnam for like three days during my study abroad oh right and like I just don't really remember things but I feel like in my head I had this image of like this nostalgic childhood and this experience Uh, that I had um right and I try my best to like hold on to that so that like I can right some part of myself like some part of my Vietnamese identity so I feel like for me what was a bit different was that I I have gone back to Hong Kong several times since immigrating although they were usually marked by like four they're like four or five years apart with the exception of like me going abroad this like past year and getting another chance to go um and I don't know like I maybe also like people know that I have a good memory (laughs) so like I remember a lot of things about Hong Kong and I think in terms of like nostalgia at least this is for me it's like it's it was our first it was it whether or not we consider it home like I still do because my extended family is still all in Hong Kong it's the fact that it was our first home that I think gives makes it nostalgic so like I I've done this the about two trips back um, where I would just go back to my childhood home, like be in the same neighborhood and kind of just see how things changed and, and like looks like imagine what it was like when I was a lot younger looking at the same place. And I don't know, like there's, there's this sense of familiarity. In, in a way, our experience are, similar but very different in like how we view both like our home country I think yeah like I think it's very important to also acknowledge that like there's there's no one immigrant narrative but also even within the whole immigrant narrative there's still first gen 1.5 gen like second gen and even like between the two of us we're both 1.5 but we still have very different stories some people don't identify as a 1.5 um, right so I don't I don't I feel like that's a very like self-identifier as well but I mean I feel like where I felt the most like 1.5 was when I was in college mm. um, where there were like I had Vietnamese American friend or like, Asian American friend and then I had like not have but I like I interact with like international Vietnamese students and friends and things like that and I feel like, I think this is just, it's just myself. Like, it's not, like, a projection of, like, who they are or what. 
not, um, but it's just like, I feel like I was too American, like when I'm in a certain group, and then I'm mm, yes. Asian when yes. I'm in like a certain group. So I feel like that's that like in between us has not, not just like in college, but it's, it's always been something that has been on my mind since, you know, middle school, high school, when you start to be conscious of like, okay, like which group do you really belong to? I feel like that's still kind of an ongoing thing. Like it's just, it's just our life, you know, like trying, not necessarily trying to find that 50-50 balance, but it's kind of like there's a spectrum and you're just like a slider on the spectrum and you're kind of going back and forth in the middle. True. Like the way that you navigate, <laughs> you work with your identity yep. and stuff like that. I'm going to kind of change gears a little bit with my question. And I think it'd be interesting to highlight the maybe similarities and differences in terms of our first year in the U.S. So what was your first year in the U.S. like? And in terms of personality, how, how do you think you have changed? And I'll answer the question as well after you're done. Um. So my first year in the U.S., I came in 2003, um, and like, as my letter has said, like, I had an imagination of what, like, a house or a place to live in the U.S. was like, and I remember, like, distinctively, like, every single time that I went to sleep in Vietnam, like, I would be like, okay, now, now you have to dream of this house, like, this is where your desk is, this is where your wow. bed is, this is how it's gonna look, like, it was really, wow. it was really specific and then when I got to the U.S. I think like when the moment that we like arrived it was June 17, 2003 when we arrived I was like oh this wasn't the house that I was expecting and even more was that like it was a house that we rented from um, this old guy who he's like a single dad and he lived there alone so then like my oldest brother um, was renting it from him, like renting the top mm-hmm. floor, the second floor. And so my whole family, myself, my two other brothers, my parents, and my oldest brother. Um, so how many people are that? Like six people were living on like mm-hmm. the second floor of this house. Um, and I, I feel like every single time I think about that place, there were a lot of good memories, but then there were a lot of like painful memories too. And I feel like that's, that's just like a part of my life that I haven't talked much about to probably like anyone um, because it was where like I was learning English, where we just first transitioned and I, I was raised by my sister all, all my life and that was the first time where like I was separate from her and like separate from the rest of the like, sibling and now I'm suddenly like in this house full of males beside my mom. Right. Um, so I think like that first year um, was I can't even remember I like I can't tell you exactly like what those feelings were but a lot of them were just like I'm just trying to fit in I'm trying to do the best that I can it's more of confusion um, and more like disappointment mm-hmm. um, about a lot of things but I was a little kid like I didn't know. Um, yeah, so I feel like I can't talk about it <laughs> anymore <laughs> before I, like, screw up. Because I, I feel like I have subconsciously just, suppressed like, suppressed it, it uh, for some reason until, like, 
people asked me about it. Right. Um, because that was a very significant, it was a short time, but it was very significant. Right. I think it's interesting that you mention it because I feel like in terms of emotionally, I was around, I was like kind of in the same realm, I guess you can say, as you. Um, like, I feel like school is one thing, like school is school, and we have our own like ESL classes there. There was a so like for me, fourth grade was very much like okay, I need to like figure out how to overcome this language barrier and do all that, and like I did that, so like great. But in terms of emotionally, I know so that was my mom and I immigrated to the U.S. So this is after my parents got divorced. So like, I think in terms of being an eight-year-old, I don't know. Um, I feel like no one really asked for me to be mature, but it was very much like I, I knew that like it was just my mom and I in a new country. Like we had no rel- we have no relatives here in the U.S. So it was very much like Rachel, you have to get your shit together. Like, I know you're only eight, but you're like, you're all mom has. So like everything needs to like not for not fall apart, basically. <laughs> um, and and I think for the most part, like, I feel like that was kind of how I defined my first year in the US. It was very much like, yes, there's a kid side of me. Like I played with friends. I I did homework, I, like, did all the stuff that elementary school's kids did, but, like, there's very much, like, this theme of survival, just trying to make it and be content, but I think for the most part, like you, it's, I feel like occasionally I get memories that suddenly pop back into my head, just, like, snippets of it, occasionally really random, but for the most part, like, I don't really remember like specific moments mm-hmm. yeah yeah I feel like similarly in terms of like oh, to answer the second part of your question like how has that changed or like my personality then I feel like even then like I don't really express my disappointment <laughs> or like express my feelings in general um so like that was just something that I had in survival mode all the time and then you already have you know like you were at least like in my mind I feel like maybe this is just my 23 year old self talking um but like I thought that oh like I just have to for what I have at the moment and I feel like that's also a common theme (laughs) throughout my life even when I'm growing up it's like like it's enough like this like we shouldn't ask for more with what we've gotten um and I don't know exactly I feel like that has affected a lot of the way that I you know maybe have lived my life right um unconsciously but I feel like also at a young age I was you know I was also just raised to be mature and be calm like just calm and just quiet (laughs) doesn't talk much pretty reserved at that time too and I don't think that has changed much. Um, I think I'm I'm definitely like a little bit more vocal now, but I'm still I'm still able to be calm and collective to just like mask 
a lot of the emotion that I felt at that time. And so I feel like that is something that I've taken with me even now. <laughs> um, and I know you know me well, so. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I feel like our personalities are very similar in that sense. Like, I, I feel like I've mentioned this in a previous conversation. I don't know if it was with you or with someone else. Like, I, I feel like because we, we were, we have such experiences, like, emotions felt so much like a luxury, um, in the sense that you, like, I didn't have time to listen to whatever my heart was telling me, because my brain, like, like, I have to follow what my brain's saying, because that's the logical thing to do, like, like, you have to do A, B, and C, and it doesn't matter how you feel about it, it, they need to get done, um, and I feel like, I don't know, like, that, that was kind of how I went about my life, um, but I do think, like you, like, I have become a lot more vocal in terms of voicing my, my opinions, um, where I stand and things like that. I used to be super quiet, um, when not saying anything, and, like, I don't, I don't know why, but, like, it wasn't like I didn't have an opinion, I just, like, didn't really speak up. Um, I think what's really interesting, though, that has kind of, I'm not sure if it changed or it it has only, it has always been part of me and I've never noticed, is the fact that I am very detail-oriented in terms of, like, I notice the smallest body language or gestures that someone makes, um, and I don't know if that's cultural or not or if that has always been part of my personality so yeah I don't know where I was going with that but that is something I've recently learned about myself oh see that's <laughs> good you always learn something new every single time for all you listeners we wrote down notes because we didn't know how this episode yeah. was going to turn out so also highlighted this a little bit in your letter but I think it'd be interesting to know like when did you and me you know feel completely fluent in English (laughs) so I think for me um so my background with English is that I grew up in Hong Kong I learned English in kindergarten and all the way up but you know um language learning is very different it's a little bit of rote memorization we do have the occasional like native speaker come in and like practice with us or whatever but for the most part it's like how are you hi like yes I'm fine thank you, and you, like, that type of English, um, yeah, (laughs) very, very, like, textbook, um, and so I, I remember my first day in school in the U.S., um, our teacher wanted us to write a creative story, you know, um, whatever that means for, you know, elementary school students, but creative story, and I couldn't do it, I put my head down on the desk, and I cried, so, that was my first day at school. Yep. Because, um, like, I understood what people were saying, but I didn't have the vocabulary to, like, tell them or, like, express myself. And that honestly remains one of my biggest struggles in life. Like, I get really frustrated when I can't express myself. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in fourth grade, I kind of, like, I, I am honestly still in awe of this fourth grade Rachel because she was like 
okay, I'm going to read all the books, all the books in the school library, and I'm going to be proficient in English by the end of the year. Because we had something called the um, accelerated reader program. So like each book is worth a number of points. And then afterwards you get like this 10 question multiple choice thing that you answer on the computer. And depending on how many you get right, you get like a percentage of what that book is worth in points. Yeah, and so like it's like 25, you get a pencil and certificate, 100, you get a medal, 300, you get a trophy, and and like not many people surpass 100, I'd say. So like just for reference, the beginning of fourth grade, I was reading at a second grade level. I was reading Arthur picture books. Those things were worth half a point each book. They should be worth more <laughs> than Arthur. And Harry <laughs> Potter books were worth 40 points, four zero each book yeah and like Um, obviously I was not I read I read Harry Potter in sixth grade so that was like out of the question and so what happened was that I was like I want that trophy and I had I again I don't know how I did it but I must have read a shit ton of Arthur books and read all the magic treehouse books that were worth like two points and and like went through the boxcar children series that were all worth like maybe three or four points each book and which means that I have to get all 10 questions correct too in order to get the full points but I ended the year with 302 points and got a trophy yeah and I think the the pivotal moment the moment which I knew I was proficient enough in English was when I was reading a kid's like version like an abridged version of Little Women and I don't Mm. even know what scene I don't remember it but I remember I, I was really emotional reading the book and I cried at a scene and I was like that moment like this is the moment that I know I fully understand the language because I am like responding emotionally mm. to it mm. so yeah wow that is my story <laughs> I feel like I had a similar experience in terms of like wanting to improve my English so my oldest brother has always been like a big biggest advocate of like reading and so he really wanted me to read and then um, I think it was like fifth grade when I started like so I was in ESL classes all third and fourth grade um, and then also fifth grade but then fifth grade I was like okay I need to improve my English and continue doing this and um, so I read a bunch of like chapter books and I remember like Andrew Clement like Rindle, yes, like, okay, anyway. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, I don't think it even ended yet. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. And then um, A to Z Mysteries. Um, so I just, I read like any book that I can get. And then, Did you read Ghost, Goosebumps? Yeah, I read Goosebumps. Okay, I, I never got into them anyway. <laughs> I only read like some of them. Like I didn't finish everything. But, like, that was how I learned English, too. It was, like, through reading. Like, there was no one there to really help me with English. Um, and so, like, some phrases that, like, I pick up from the book, like, I would use them in real life or something like that. <laughs> um, and some people were like, what? You know what that means or whatever? Um, so, yeah, that was how, like, I learned English. And honestly, like, I don't know if I'm proficient <laughs> in it even now. Um, 
okay okay non like you don't have to be you don't have to be that humble (laughs) okay maybe I am like I'm proficient but I still have a very hard time like articulating a lot of things like even as like a college graduate (laughs) still like okay for listeners who don't know this non like proofreads my essays (laughs) so (laughs) yes you're being really helpful I feel like that um, kind of habit of reading to learn English had me really want, like, had me really love reading, like, in my life in general now. So I think, like, it was, it was, like, at that time it was work, but then it was also, you know, like, a blessing because now, like, I'm not, I don't hate reading. (laughs) I love reading, Um, but I do need to pick up the habit of, like, really reading before bed again because that was that was how I learned English I read before bed every single night (laughs) same same and I don't do that anymore I need to same I don't do that anymore so I was like oh my gosh I need to start doing this again get in trouble for reading really late at night (laughs) really because I just read they didn't care they were like oh yeah you're learning English you're fine they're like, you need to go to bed. And I'm like, but, 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 it's getting so good. <laughs> so I would say, like, I became really, really proficient probably in sixth grade. Um, so I, we had, like, the ESL program, and then I graduated from the ESL program in fifth grade. Um, and then in sixth grade, uh, we were in, like, a reading class. And then each group had to read a different book. And they're all based on, like, levels. But I don't even remember any of the tests that I took or whatever. But apparently my group was reading the highest level like book in this class. So I was like, yes, made it. <laughs> Good. Um, so that was when I think it was like truly that was proficient. Yeah. That was me in fifth grade. That was me in fifth grade. I felt that we got put in like we had spelling tests and like definition of like the vocab words for spelling. And I got put in the highest level and I was like, Yep, made it. Okay. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Proficient in English now. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> oh, yep. And so, like, I feel like sixth grade was probably when it was. And then, I don't know. I, I feel like it would just become a natural thing. Um, but I was, I think I mentioned this a little bit, where, like, a lot of people think that I was born here because I don't have a so-called accent. I do feel like I have like a yeah, slight accent. Okay, yeah, also saying like hard to like hear, I guess, or whatever. I get really tongue tied when I'm trying to express myself like really fast. Ooh, I don't know if that's like part of that. Yeah, I mean like even right now as we're like talking, I'm just like, Oh, I pause a lot <laughs> or oh like I like there's a lot of different things that I <laughs> just like mumbling. <laughs> um, but it's okay. Um is just all part of like ways that you express yourself (laughs) right yeah but I I do remember that was like a significant like marker from my family like the rest of my family because I'm the youngest of seven siblings and like my parents and being that only person who went through elementary middle and high school in the U.S. has been um very significant siblings so don't have anyone to kind of reflect on (laughs) (laughs) yes of course 
okay. You are the pioneer. <laughs> so, any last thoughts before we peace out of the first episode ever? Uh, yeah, like we thought you were pretty good starting point. <clears throat> I'll show you kind of like what we'd be discussing about. Um, and of course, like I feel like this topic can go on forever. Forever. It's an experience that people like have. So we don't want to say that we are the examples of 1.5 or we're examples of anything. Yeah. But we are just sharing our experiences, kind of situating ourselves um, where we're coming from in this episode and like our little background, uh, getting to know our history a little bit. And you'll probably find out, find out more as you know you listen to other episodes of different aspects of our lives too so anything else Rachel so no I think that's good and with that do you want to close us off with the cheesy ending question for Rachel and I um you can email us as Rachel said before at because we overthink at gmail.com or find us on our newly made Instagram page currently nothing on it but you know we'll populate it we are still kind of in the process of figuring out like what exactly are we posting on this instagram aka me i am in the process of figuring this out um so but it's an easier way for you to kind of dm questions so our instagram handle is at because we overthink as well for tuning in into this first episode and we expect a lot of hiccups and different um kinks that we still need to work out in terms of audio uh editing and things like that so please bear with us for the first couple of episodes before we get it out and to end this on a very cheesy note um (laughs) inspired by our own podcast name don't be amazing be wow And with that, see you guys next time.